for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. And I have to say, Pete, that was probably your most morning drive-time radio intro in some time. Was that it was really? very good. At, yeah, yeah. You sounded... That was... That was that was sell some egg McMuffins voice in the morning. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I uh, when I was going back and editing the last episode, I noticed that I was really, really uh, hitting the ums and the you knows. So hopefully this time I can do a better job with that. Because uh, for me, like if I'm not be if I'm not really trying to be conscious of it, I kind of slip back into it. Also, partially, uh, you know, I'm from the Northeast. Uh, we talk really fast, uh, and I have to sometimes tell myself to slow down, um, which is which is fun. Um, so we have uh, we're going to have a little bit of a shorter show for you this episode today. As we're recording this, is my wife's birthday, um, and so you know we have some stuff planned. Uh, so we wanted to get this recorded and uh, and done. Um, and because of that, you know, uh, because of the schedule with the the guests that we're having on in a little bit, uh, Max Boltman, um, we wanted to you know it's it's going to be a little bit shorter. So we wanted to start off by talking about something that, unfortunately, we seem to talk about a lot, uh, which is the Department of Player Safety. But the reason that we want to talk about it this time is because it seems like this might be a new level. This might be um, almost, I, I, I think this might be a little excessive, but like almost the crossing of a new Rubicon, uh, where players are being more vocal in the media. Uh, about feeling like they're not being protected, basically. So there were two instances uh, that we're talking about here. The first one was uh, Matthew Kachuk took several runs at uh, Edmonton forward Zach Cassian, who uh, is no stranger himself to making very bad hits on players. From watching the replay, I didn't see this live, but watching the replay, that first hit um, definitely looked Number one, it looked like a charge, and number two, it looked like he got him. He, he got him in the head. Um, people have argued that he didn't. I've I've watched it a bunch of times. It looks to me like he did. Obviously, that is open for debate. It, it's not the type of thing where everybody has been saying, "Yeah, that was clearly a you know." Some hits are obviously hits to the head, and you can't really argue otherwise. But anyway, at the other end of the ice, um, he hit him. Uh, you know, the next period, he hit him again. Uh, again, it seemed like it definitely could be a charge. Um, and Cassian had had enough, and he went after Kachuk, who did not want to fight. Um, Cassian punched him in the face repeatedly anyway. Um, and because of that, he was given a short suspension, a two-game suspension. Um, and the teams are going to meet again uh, by the time you listen to us in about 10 days. And Cassian said, uh, the reason we're talking about this is Cassian said in the media, basically, um, now, I know, now I know what a clean hit is. Now I know what I can do to him. You know, or now what I now I know how I can hit other people, which is obviously not very good. And the other thing was um, Matthew Perot from the Winnipeg Jets was hit by uh, Vertanen, and 
he, uh, I mean, it, it was a bad hit. It was definitely, I mean, in my opinion, it was definitely a bad hit. And he went after him. Uh, and actually, no, he didn't really go after him. But after the game in the media, he basically said, now I know I'm not going to be protected from that. So the next time that happens, I'm going to have to use my stick to protect myself, right? Which anybody who grew up watching games in the 80s and 90s knows leads to some very, very, very bad outcomes. Uh, so, Jay, what, what, what do you think about this kind of escalation in rhetoric in the media from some of these players? Well, it's, it's certainly not good, and, then, and the league hasn't really set themselves up to try and deter it in any way possible because, remember, the, the guy in charge of the Department of Player Safety right now is a guy who used to get paid to punch people in the face. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't really make sense. I, um, I forget who said it, but they were saying, like, a Nathan Horton or a... Uh, um, Mark Savard. Or, or Mark Savard should be in charge Paul of the Korea. Department of Player Safety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the way, pretty the, sad. The way, that you're, the, it's, the way you're chiming in yeah. is is per, is the perfect. Way. Like you know, yeah. all of the the highlight players, but yeah, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's like uh, I don't know. It's it's like a drunk driver being in charge of the DMV. Yeah. You know, like there's there's really nothing that that makes sense. Like. I mean, I guess if you wanted him on as like a consultant, I mean, but what's weird is there's not anything about George Peros that screams like, I've seen the air of my ways. I lived a not so good life on the ice. Mm -hmm. I I want to use the the, the, the yeah. things that I've learned as, as to it doesn't feel like that. No. There's no I don't know. I, I Pete, the, mm -hmm. I, I keep getting the increasing feeling that they just always toe the line between what is right and what's in no way appropriate to try and like deter it somehow i i don't know i'm i'm curious what the what what's i mean as as it stands right now do we know what the maximum amount of games that can that a player could be suspended for for um is is it like ten? No. I, for, I forget what I forget what the number is. But what, wait, no, no, but, there is no, there's no minimum. Uh, oh, there's no maximum. Well, sorry, there's no maximum. Okay. Or, right, so. there is a there is a certain number that will trigger a a potential review by an independent arbitrator. Up to a certain point, right. you can you can appeal any of them, but up to a certain point, yeah. Bettman is the adjudicator, and then after that, it goes to an independent arbitrator. Because remember, there was a player um, who. Uh, hit that official a couple years ago, yeah. right? And it was originally a double-digit suspension. I think, I think like twenty games. I'm, uh, my memory might not be correct, but it was, it yeah. was a lot. And that was lowered uh, after, um, uh, basically, after the player had already served more than that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, like there's no, there's, there's no limit as far as I know. I mean. He could say okay. he could well, say he's banned from hockey. Now, is that going to yeah. happen? No, but I mean, and I think that the commissioner would have to be obviously on board with that. But I don't think I, and obviously I could be wrong, but I don't think that there's a max. I mean, he could just say he's suspended for eighty-two games. I think, like, I don't think I mean, there's anything in the CBA. Yeah, well, I mean, at the risk of sounding like Dwight Schrute, like how how many <laughs> how many people are going to have to get seriously injured? Five. Yeah. Six. Yeah seven you know so obviously there's i would be really curious right now what the i mean and maybe they don't even have one right because maybe they have they either don't have enough of a, a a serious grasp of the situation and the position that they're in 
But I'm really curious what is either in the league's mind or the Players Association's mind or the Department of Player Safety's mind of what the what is the gigantic egre- egregious act that's that would cause a you know a, like a league wide shift in either officiating or or rule stuff because I feel like. I know we're, first of all, it's still a game. I know sometimes we like to talk in a little bit of, you know, uh, blown up proportions here. But at the same time, like, somebody's going to get nailed. And it's not going to be the feel-good story of, like, Paul Correa getting leveled. And then all of a sudden he's back in the game and he's and he's going to score a goal. Which, actually, according to the rules, that can't happen anymore. Um, so, you know, there's, like, someone's going to get nailed and it's going to be really dire. Like, either, you know, paralysis... Yeah. or severe brain injury and all that and then and then it's, it's everything is going to be all reactionary whereas why aren't we thinking about that now why are we waiting for something like that to happen even though we know something like that can happen and it's it it's just really bizarre to see how you know it it, it seems like every hit to the head just takes it like look at the cory perry thing right hmm. um Last I checked, he that was uh, still a paltry suspension, even though the act itself. I mean, that is the clear. Like, if, if we were, I think I remember telling you this last time. If we, you know, if you open up the <laughs> the NHL rulebook, and if there were pictures allowed to be in there, the definition of head is the primary point of contact. That hit rocketed itself to the top of that list. That is the clearest example of just reckless endangerment of another player with the head as the primary point of contact and that's all he gets for it like i I, like that is you know for for as much as we crow about what we want to see from the department of player safety on this on this lovely program and pete and i do do it fairly regularly and we we usually try to keep it short and sweet moving (laughs) moving forward because until Mm -hmm. something drastically changes we're left kind of just shouting at the sky which sucks but i think I think, long story short, it, this feels different because now we have players talking about, you know, taking justice in their own hands because it's like, hey, listen, if the Department of Player Safety is only going to hand out tiny infractions, uh, tiny punishments for these infractions, screw it. Let's just start hacking away at each other. And I don't think that's what this was all about. No, I mean, we all know from the classic hockey documentary Youngblood what this leads to, you know? It leads to a shirtless Rob Lowe trying to hit a guy with a stick. Do you remember that? Like, yep. it's so bad. It's like the jousting, yep. like the stick jousting. I'm like, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe stuff like that happened before my time, but I, I don't think I've ever seen two hockey players ever do that with their sticks, even in like those old school videos. Yep. But um, that's funny, Pete, because I actually thought you were going to say, you know what, this leads to at least the Patrick Swayze being on a stretcher, and no one wants that. This is this yeah. is this is a pro Swayze program. This is this is everything yeah. that we've been working towards. So, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody puts Swayze on a stretcher. <laughs> like I said before, we are. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit shorter, so we're gonna we're gonna stop here, and we are going to go into the interview uh, with Max Boltman that we recorded uh, a little while ago. Um, lots of really good stuff in here. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, now. Obviously, since he covers the Red Wings, we did talk mostly about that. Um, but you know, we talked a little bit about uh, coaching, about the Jar Gallant uh, availability. 
um, you know, we, we talked about uh, goalie situations and stuff like that. So um, I think you're going to be interested in that. So stick around. Uh, we will take a quick break and then we'll have the interview and we'll be right back for a little bit after that. Our guest today, um, returning for, I believe, the third time, the second solo appearance, is Max Boltman. Uh, people listening to our podcast who are Red Wings fans, which I know is, is uh, I don't know if it's a majority, but I know it's a, a large amount of our listeners, um, would you know obviously know who he is. But just in case, if you don't know, he uh, covers the Detroit Red Wings for The Athletic. Uh, Max, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you doing? I I'm doing well. Um, I was uh, before I got you on the phone. I was talking to Jay about a couple couple ideas for you know to ask you about, and I figure I'm just going to jump into one that I want to make sure I cover because anytime we have somebody who takes time out of their day to come on uh, and talk to us, we always want to make sure that we you know plug things they're doing. So um, I wanted to start off by asking a little bit about or you know letting you talk a little bit about the podcast that you've been doing with our uh, you know all of our mutual friend uh, Prashant Ayer uh, called Wing for breakfast for the athletic um i obviously with the amount of podcasts that are available that i love um i can't say i listen to every single episode because it's twice a week um but i do listen to it a lot um and i am i am finding myself really liking it i'm not just saying that because you're you're a friend and you're on the show uh, but you know tell us a little bit about how that uh, how, you know like, like how that start and uh, how's that going yeah it's been going really well i think um we started like the athletic has been generally expanding our, our podcast, uh, really launched like a podcast presence at some point, um, in this last year in 2019. And I really wanted to do it cause I, I've, you know, I've gotten on a couple podcasts over the, um, over my time on the beat. And I just think it's a really fun platform. And so I, I've always thought that was really cool. Prashant obviously is probably what makes the show though. You know, like I, I think it's, a lot of it is just kind of me, lobbing things up to one of the smartest hockey observers, hockey analysts I know and letting him weigh in. And then I kind of respond. Uh, and then he tells me why I'm wrong or occasionally agrees with me. Uh, so it, it's a really fun show. It's, he's, uh, he's the man. Like I, I think he's what makes the show uh, and his insights are, I, I think worth the, the time alone. Yeah. I mean, when I first uh, joined wing it in Motown, he was, you know, he he was doing actually at, at the time he was doing a lot more writing there, um, and uh, actually like I didn't get to meet him in person for quite a while, um, but I remember uh, I, I think I probably told this story on here or I've, I know I've told it somewhere, um, you know it was like my first kind of real article and I was just starting to get into like the advanced stats or um, analytics and obviously he you know you know uh, you know I, I've, I've definitely learned a lot but you know. Every step of the way, he you know he started earlier. He's you know he's obviously really smart, you know. So he's always kind of been ahead of me. So he's always been somebody who's been very helpful with that. But I just remember you know the first time, like he didn't really know who I was. I was this brand new guy on the on the site, and he you know took like a half hour out of his day to, to talk on the phone with me and kind of walk me through some stuff. Um, and I thought that was you know pretty amazing. I think for me, the reason I really like it, and I think I think I've said this to you guys, each of you individually before. The thing I like about it is that like the two of you kind of have like separate 
um, not fully separate, but, you know, kind of separate main approaches to the game, but they also blend in with each other, you know? So like you said, he's really good on the stats side, obviously. Um, but then he's also able to talk about tactics and things like that. You know, you're going to the game, you're talking to the players, you're getting that firsthand insight, uh, from the team, from the organization, et cetera. Um, you know, but then you also know enough about the stats that you can have those conversations with them. So for me, that's, that's what I really like about it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's that is what we're going for. Like, I think the being able to kind of blend those two approaches is is really fun. And I think uh, a lot of times he'll mention something on the show that then I can bring into the locker room and ask about, and then bring back to the show. We can have like a kind of a follow up discussion based on you know what came up when, when we asked about it. So I, I think it's very fun, and I'm, I'm really glad you're enjoying it too. Hey, for the uh, I just want to say as far as the logo goes. Um... All your podcast do, does is make me hungry, so that's <laughs> that's the only thought that I've had about it. Um, I know, no, I no, I them, like no <laughs> notes. I get, I, don't, I don't even know what I told them for the logo, but I was so pumped when I saw it. <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, so Max, we are uh, we are halfway. If I if I like to do numbers, and I like to think I do numbers well. Um, we're, we're about ha- really just halfway into this, uh, wonderful season. Um, maybe not, not just from the, the wings perspective, maybe just from what you've seen about the teams that the wings have been, uh, contractually obligated to play. <laughs> um, what, what's been some of your takeaways from, you know, it, have you, have you noticed anything in, in terms of either style of play or, um, you know, just, just in, t- in terms of like, as a hockey fan, from your vantage point, you know what 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 have you seen this year? Do you think this is just kind of a, you know, is does is has the wealth been spread around enough for for a lot of the teams in the league, or are we are are we just looking at eight teams <laughs> again? You know, is it like, you know, what 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 is your what have been your thoughts so far on the on the season as a whole, or a half? I don't know, it's like a that. half. Now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think um, it's a good question. I mean, I think that there's, I certainly think there's still a limited number of like kind of quote unquote superpowers or teams that you would really, you know, feel co- confident picking to to win a cup or go on a long run. But that said, you know, I didn't think St. You know, I guess I thought St. Louis could could win a round or two last year, but I wouldn't have picked them to win a cup. And I think what's been impressive is how teams seem to have kind of learned to play to to an identity, and you, I think you can see it on two ends of the spectrum, both of which seem to really work. One is like the, the Leaf style, and they play a really fun, free-flowing game where it's, it's all this really beautiful movement and passing. And then there's also the Islanders, who I think they just do everything they want to do perfect. Um, and it, they execute like no one's business. And so I think what I've been really impressed about is seeing teams like master their own identities this year. Um, and, you know, you, you can see it. those are, those are to me are just like the two most obvious examples, but, you know, you think about it with like, even like a team like Boston, they seem to really know kind of what they want to do. And, uh, they have a lot of success. Washington, same thing. Uh, we all got to see Pittsburgh last night. Jay, Jay, Jay and I obviously were at that game. Um, you know, that was a slower game, but eventually in the end, uh, you know, like they just got to get the bucket to have getting Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think there's, I still think there's a good amount of, you know, a tier, I guess, that, that I would feel confident picking to win the cup. But I also think there's like, you know, there's like 22, 23 teams that it wouldn't stun me if they were like a playoff team hmm. uh, from this point out. I think that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like as I was watching, like last night, the game was on NHL Network, and because you know I live in New Jersey, I have NHL TV. Um, but you know, whenever the game's on national TV, that gets blacked out. So even though, like you know, I could have watched like the 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 pregame stuff on Fox Sports Detroit if I had access to it. Um, they actually had the. Um, the, the the Red Wings feed uh, during the play, which was which was pretty cool, partially because I I did get to see uh, Ozzy's Ozzy's uh, glorious tie last night in uh, you know on my yeah. full full sixty five inch TV screen, which is obviously the the way that that tie was meant to be seen, um, in you know in four K, uh, <laughs> uh, and and so in the intermission, obviously you know in NHL Network they show other games, and I mean, Winnipeg, Jesus Christ, like. <laughs> I mean, obviously Tampa's kind of really come on, but I mean, I, uh, I, I'm guessing you see the uh, the charts that uh, Sean Tierney posts every day, um, and yeah. you know, there's one of them where it's like Winnipeg is like the, uh, I guess it would be the inverse of that uh, Price is Right game, right? The yodeling guy where he's climbing up the cliff because it's just like they are free yeah. falling, like nose dive, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. It's crazy to see. One thing I think, I think we could definitely get to cause, cause, um, you know, Jay and I were, you know, we'd probably touch on this outside of this interview, uh, just cause it's been a big, uh, topic, but I think we can get to it this way. So obviously coaching this year has been a huge, um, you know, carousel. Uh, we have, uh, two, <laughs> two coaches that were fired and actually have jobs now. So, uh, you know, that's yeah. definitely pretty interesting. One of those is Peter DeBoer who relate, who replaced, uh, Gerard Gallant. I know on the last episode of your podcast, you and Prashant talked at length about this. One thing that I've kind of felt is that if, you know, you know, let's say even if Steve Eiserman was thinking, we are going to move on from our coach at the end of the year at the latest. And, and again, obviously I'm, I'm just spitballing here. I'm not saying I know that for sure. I'm just guessing, you know, let's just say hypothetically, um, because I, I do think there's a chance that he, he extends Blashill. but you know, let's say he, he has decided, or he's, you know, he's, he's like leaning towards that, you know, Gallant becomes available. Obviously he's, you know, a very, very well-regarded coach. I mean, you just kind of had to see on Twitter where basically every fan base was like, Hey, let's hire him. Um, you know, he's very well respected. Um, you know, he seems like he'd be a really good fit. Obviously, he has Detroit ties. Um, I think that sometimes that stuff gets talked up a little bit too much. But, you know, I, I do think there is some aspect to that, you know, knowing a guy. It seems to me that if Iserman was going to make a change in season, there's been so like three or four times where he would have done it already. And so to me, that leads me to believe that he's decided barring some kind of thing where we lose like 10 to one, five games in a row or something ridiculous that it seems to me like he's decided to wait until the end of the season. Like, do you think that makes sense or like, like what's your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, I've I've been in complete agreement with that idea that if, you know, if, if the Red Wings had any, designs on making an in-season coaching move they they missed their best opportunities to do it more than likely um not that you ever really need to to have a a window to do it but i just i agree with you if they wanted to do it it would have made a whole lot of sense in a double-digit losing streak right (laughs) so uh, to me that that is a sign that it's not something that's high on their list now you know you mentioned the gallant availability is it fair to wonder that if that maybe changes plans a little bit yeah i think that's fair to wonder because you know, like you saw with Pete DeBoer, if, if if you kind of have in the back of your mind an idea that maybe he's a guy you'd want to chase in the offseason, someone could just as easily fire their coach and snap him up in the next week, especially over the All-Star break, right? 
Yeah. But uh, that said, I, you know, I, I'm in the same camp as you that I really don't know what he will do, mm. what the plan is, uh, and I'm kind of left to, to wonder this all the same, you know, and I think that uh, he, he did that interview with FSD, Eiserman did, and it sounded like, you know, he was backing Glashel still. So um, it, it's, it's an interesting situation that they find themselves in, uh, but I think I generally land where you do, Pete, which is, mm. you know, if they, if they were eager to do something, they'd have probably already done it. Yeah. I mean, if not like the, like you said, those extended losing streaks, um, you know, some of these really, you know, I mean, obviously the Islander game was definitely one of the low points of the whole season. And then, you know, f- for me, like, like the last thing was like, you know, Gallant becomes available, you know, they're, they're not doing well. I kind of figured if it was going to happen, like that was kind of like the last time, you know, like, you know, obviously unless somebody else becomes available or something, you know, something like that happens, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think we agree on that. For the most part, Absolutely. it was kind of, it, it was kind of strange to see you, like you're right, Max. It was, it's like the rate that things are going. I mean, it's like almost every week that goes by, if we were to look at, at the NHL coaching board as some sort of, you know, uh, wheel of fortune or game show board and then it's like that's that's the whammy you know like what's the whammy that's gonna happen this week oh it's work the vegas knights are gonna fire gerard Gallant. oh all right let's roll <laughs> let's roll with it let's go let's go here but no i i i'm i agree with you guys too there's i, I mean uh, what's weird was Gallant was actually the one guy that out of the r- recent round of um coaches firings that i was actually hoping that doesn't happen just because I just feel like the, you know the whole don't hire friends thing because has been kind of a prevalent thing in my head in terms of you know how you want to manage a team because you know I I think there's a lot of things that can be obviously fruitful from that but then there's a lot of things that could be negative about that so you know with like Laviolette and and, and a score of the others that got left over you know I was like yeah you know it'd be nice if we could try those guys and then it was kind of weird I looked at Gallant I was like I don't know if we should do that <laughs> but you definitely nailed it. You definitely nailed it on the head with, uh, you know, the the time. It like if it if it wasn't going to be during the double digit losing streak, you know, what uh, honestly, what what's it going to take? So I think, I think yeah. Eisman is is enough of a, uh, you know, smart. But also, I know <laughs> this is my uh, outlandish theory: is that if we change coaches right now, that means the Red Wings are instantly fixed, and then we win the Stanley Cup this year, which means we don't get the number one pick, and that means we don't get Alexei Lafreniere. So, I think that's the real reason why. So. You know, let's well, I promise you they won't be instantly fixed. If they <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I promise you that. I, uh, what? You, you never know, know. I, I actually think Jeff Blaschel is a pretty good coach. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's true. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I saw stats that they could go undefeated the rest of the way and likely miss the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like, like unless, the uh, new, unless they hire a new coach today and they are bringing, like, in his prime Dominic Hasek with him, then maybe. But, you know, and I'm talking about make the playoffs and <laughs> like not win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Peter, 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 Peter. Yeah. I didn't. When when was Dominic Hasek in his prime available? When? Why? How long have you been sitting on this information? This is a break. This is a breaking news story, everybody. You have to. Yeah, I kind of buried uh, the lead here. So, yeah, you did. Um, so, Max, you know what I do think is interesting, yeah, though, guys, is like yeah. uh, on the subject of like hiring people. Know that you're, you know, friends with or that you know. Like I've always been interested in it because, on one hand, you know, it's obviously a situation where you you don't want to limit your pool to like, oh, I went to college with that guy or whatever. But I do think, is there like, do you guys think there's some advantage to a GM and a coach having like the familiarity and to know that like 
they're going to mesh. Like it feels like it eliminates a little bit of the. I know to some degree that's what the interview process is yeah. for, but uh, like like a built-in familiarity and knowing that that stylistically, you know, your if you're a GM, you want your player acquisition type or your your kind of profile of guys that you're going after. I feel like you do kind of want that to mesh with how the coaching staff views, you know, deployment, so that you're not building a roster that's misfit for the guy you're um, you're having use it. You know what I mean? I think that there is something to having that familiarity. Um, I know I've seen people say that the downside of that could be, well, then, you know, down the road, you have to fire a friend. And like, I think that people who get to this level in their jobs kind of have that level of professionalism um, where they kind of know going in if they accept this job with this person that they're friends with as their boss. This is a, you know, especially given the, you know, way the coaching works, they will, one of them will eventually be fired. And if it's not the GM first, then the GM will eventually be firing their friend. That's, that's just how it works. So I don't really think that's like a downside to it. Um, the one thing I do think is you have to be careful with this idea because, you like I I think you want to make sure that you remain open to different possibilities. You know, I think sometimes it could be like almost maybe subconsciously where you're like, oh, I, I know this guy like that would be a really good fit. That's cool. And then maybe that causes you to miss out on something that could have been better had you explored it. You know, like I know, you know, uh, you know, Prashant always talks about and I agree with him on this, you know, the potential of, you know, getting coaches in from other leagues, you know, getting coaches in from Europe, etc. Um, now, obviously, that's there's a there's a big wild card aspect. You know, you're taking a risk. You know, taking a person that hasn't coached in the NHL, you think it's going to translate, but it might not. As opposed to taking somebody who has coached in the NHL, um, who has had success before, you know, but maybe the person who hasn't, you know, they they, they might have a bigger upside. Um, to be honest, it's actually uh, almost like uh, like like the prospect com- com- conversation that you and Prashant were having the other day on the podcast, you know, about the, you know, this guy is definitely going to make the league, but he has a lower ceiling than this guy, you know. So I, I kind of think right. like that's the danger. Um, but like I, I I'm I'm definitely not like oh, these guys know each other, therefore that's either a good or a bad thing. I, I kind of think it depends on the situation. I agree completely. I mean, and I, I think the Red Wings are actually in a situation where familiarity should matter a whole lot less because, like, let's be honest, this is going to take a long time either way, right? Like, a, a situation like Nashville maybe, um, there was familiarity with, with John Hines and, like, assistant GM or something there, is that right? Uh Wait in Nashville? Oh, Heinz. Uh, yeah, uh, I can't remember. Like as we'll, as you're talking, I'll look it up. All right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's some familiarity there, and to me, that's almost a situation that maybe makes it make a little more sense because it's like, okay, if they're going to make an in-season move, um, and they want to, you know, still make a run at the playoffs, like then that's where you you can't really afford much leeway one way or the other. You want to know 100 percent what you're getting. And so I think familiarity would matter a whole lot more in a situation like that than uh, a situation like, you know, hypothetically Detroit, uh, like they're still in the midst of a rebuild. And, and if, if they hire, if they were to hire a new coach at some point uh, and that coach did not do very well because the stylistic difference wasn't a big, uh, wasn't a natural mesh, uh, then they could just make the swap. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have necessarily really lost 
much ground. I mean, I guess developmentally you ought to be conscious of that. But but I think, you know, I think your point's dead on. You don't want to fixate on it, certainly. Uh, it's just, I think, something that, you know, you can understand why it happens at the very least. Yeah. And for those keeping score at home, yes, it is the Nashville Predators <laughs> who have been gifted the duties of uh, Heinz. So, um, yeah. No, and, there and just familiarity there? Uh, I... I don't. Well, I mean, there's familiarity, but then there's the whole conversation about, you know, what is the? Because from what I understand, you know, the uh, if I remember reading the, the article correctly, you know, Heinz had uh, an impressive resume, <laughs> a group of people. Uh, no, sorry, not ref- not resume. Uh, a, a nice reference uh, list because I, I, if I remember, there was a couple of different executives who completely backed him in. Um, in the in I the process was of literally college so. <laughs> oh probably i mean like, yeah. like like isn't it crazy how almost like i don't know i would say like half the articles about like coaching changes and stuff it's like oh he was roommates with this guy you know it's like well i mean it, it's 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 like you know every red wings game you know some former you know some uh you know some player that might be available was like dylan's larkin's 12th you know 12 year old roommate or something like that uh yep. you know on some yeah, travel it was, team it wasn't or, roommate yeah. Yeah, it wasn't roommate, but he was uh, the assistant GM. Uh, Kelty, Jeff Kelty, is that his okay. name? Okay, uh, was at, teammates at Boston University. Ah, there we go. With with Heinz. Ah, it's one big incestuous family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> metaphorically, um, yeah, and, of course. Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, and and just to tag on what you guys are saying, I, I think if there was one thing that I could maybe ask for in like the next coaching decision is I would like an NHL coach. You know, because Blash came up from, you know, from the from the CCHA and then to to the AHL and then came up there. I, I, I at this point, it's, it's like I think I think he's probably developed just as much as the players he's helped develop. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if when he is relieved of his duties and goes elsewhere, I'd be very interested to see what he does with a different um, uh, pool of, uh, of players. But um, yeah, I, I, oh, or, I, as, I mean, he still could be, but he still could be back. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. There's, there's, there's no question about that because you know I, I think as as long as all of us have known this organization, like loyalty is a big deal. So you know you say the right things, you do the right things, you will be rewarded <laughs> in this organization. So as long as he's doing whatever he's doing, you're you're right. It's it's a very real possibility that he uh, sticks around. Um, so in 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 true awesome fashion. Because we sadly we don't this doesn't always happen, and I I'd like to think that maybe, you know, this is a sign that Peter and I need our our highlights in a, a sports car because it's like our own version of a midlife crisis because we lack questions sometimes from our readers, but we actually have one this time. So, uh, from at meat on the bone again, we are just a magnet for just straightforward no mess Twitter handles. <laughs> uh, this question goes for uh, Mr. Bultman. Uh, with all of our goalie issues, have the Wings considered looking at anyone off the radar? I saw Dylan St. Sire play the Stars and Stripes game a few years ago, and he held his own. He's small and he hasn't played much, but his numbers are encouraging. Max, take it away. I don't know a whole lot about uh, about him, or you know, their their situation in goal. I think is one that it, it's it's uh, it's pretty precarious, and I think it, it lends a lot better to speculation than. And the concrete, you know, like I've I've wondered about um, like the, the, a couple of the impending free agents. I think Pavel Francouz and 
Colorado is a name that would make some sense who's had a lot of success this year. Unrestricted at the end of the season, probably not going to unseat Varlamov, but at the same time, you know, does Colorado just try to bring him back? You know, he is, I think he's 30 or, or going to be 30 at some point this year, so he would be another short-term kind of guy, maybe in that mold of, of a Bernier, but, but with a little bit more of a, um, you know, he doesn't have necessarily a starter track record, but he's got a 926 save percentage this season since coming over from, I think it was, I think he was in the KHL prior to this. Hmm. Um, and then, the, I mean, the AHL a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so he's a guy who I think is very interesting. I think the, who's the other guy that's on the free agent market? Um, I'm going to pull up spot track here real quick. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's guys like Thomas Grice. There's guys like Kent Talbot. Um, I mean, Matt Murray will be an RFA, and you wonder if Tristan Jari keeps playing the way he is, if he won't. Um, end up becoming available one way or the other. Uh, Anton Kudobin is 34, so that he's like very he's very much up there. But if you wanted to go real short term, you know he's put up a great year in Dallas. Hmm. So I think there's kind of short term options in that uh, on the free agent market uh, or on the you know you can go the Alexander Georgiev route if if we wanted to go there uh, discussion wise. But you know he's a guy who I think the the Rangers, based on everything that's been reported by Elliot Friedman and others. Um, they seem the Rangers seem to be looking for a, a top young forward in exchange for Georgiev, and the Red Wings have a couple of young forwards who plausibly could be dealt. Um, so I think there's there's options out there for them. I think one thing that Prashant has has really uh, shown me over the last couple of weeks, or I guess told me, but but in a, in a really clear way, is how investing in you know, in both term and dollar in goalies can get you into a ton of trouble because they're so volatile and you don't have to look that far other than the biggest goaltending contract signed this last offseason with Sergei Bobrovsky to know that um, long-term high-dollar goalie contracts can get you into a bad, bad place. Yeah, I was, like, as you were talking, I was, like, I was actually just about, like, that, that was going to be my follow-up because, um I'm I'm working on some goalie stuff uh, in in an article I wrote about Jimmy Howard I guess a week ago roughly um, you know I debuted a, a a preliminary version of a goalie aging curve I've been working on um, and the reason I say preliminary preliminary is because like I don't want people to be you know throwing it around the internet and being like, Oh, Hey, look, this is the thing. It's sure. like, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's probably pretty close. Um, but I think that, you know, there's still some stuff like, for example, with goalies, it's really tough because, um, like the 18 to 19, uh, bucket of my, you know, like, like, uh, from, from year 18 to year 19 is literally one player, you know, only one player in this, you know, data set played when he was 18 and when he was 19, that's Robin Leonard. Um, you know, and then at the other end you have at the high end, you know, you have a, you know, like five, you know, four or five goalies and you have names like Brodeur and Luongo, et cetera. You know, so, I mean, those are like exceptional goalies who even, even how good they were later on in their career. Well, maybe not Brodeur. He kind of fell off at the end um but even so like the 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 aging curve falls off like a cliff you know i mean i definitely just from just from the work i've started doing on this i am a hundred percent on board with the idea of not uh investing in goalies long term or for high dollars um i just i i think i mean there's very i mean henrik lundquist you know 
uh, Brodeur for a long time. I mean, like every generation, there's maybe one or two, you know, that are worth it for more than five years or so. Um, and, and it's just it's just such a crapshoot. So, um, OK, so because of timing, uh, I, I got some stuff I got to get to you today. We are going to uh, we're going to have to cut this a little short, unfortunately, or shorter than usual. Um, but we did want to wrap up with one thing that we were talking about before we started recording uh, non-hockey related. But it's still it's still definitely something that I think uh, brought us a lot of entertainment this year. Uh, so the the television show uh, Watchmen uh, is, is is one that I think all three of us really, really enjoyed. Um, and recently news came out that, uh, you know, barring some changes down the road, uh, it is going to remain at one season, which isn't too surprising for people who've been paying attention. Uh, so, Max, before we get going, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, like, you know, why you like this show and, like, what, you know, w- what you think about that decision to end it after one season. Well, yeah, I really like the decision, but uh, we'll get there in a, in a minute. So I, I yeah. loved the show. I thought it was some of the best storytelling on uh, on TV that I've seen in a long time. I mean, I think there's uh, Barry is another HBO show that I thought was outstanding, and mm-hmm. that's a show that I thought the way they ended season one was perfectly. And that season could have it was a similar thing, like kind of cliffhangery. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to happen next? But it was complete. And like, if you if you never saw another episode, you would have felt like you got a complete version of the story, even not knowing where those characters go next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's obviously a ton of cool stuff about Watchmen. There's there's specifically an episode, I think it's the, the penultimate episode, where you start to, or is it the penultimate or the second to last, where uh, Doctor Manhattan's in the bar. With, oh yeah. Uh, okay, which I, that to me is one of the best episodes of TV that I've seen in, like, five years. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just outstanding. Um, and so I thought, you know, even long before that episode, I was like, this show kicks ass. And yeah. at that episode, I was like, oh, this is, like, one of the best shows I've seen in years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Barry's, you know, another one like that. And so I liked season two of Barry. I still liked what they did with that. But I thought when, you know, Jay and I talked about this in the press box one day, of like, especially after what happened with Star Wars 8 and 9, Oh, and yeah. all the chaos it created to have two different directors. Uh, I, Jay and I were basically like, if Lindelof doesn't want to do another season, they have to end the show. Yeah. Do not mess around with any of this, like, multiple directors, producers, showrunners, whatever. Like, if, if, if Lindelof's on board, I'll do it because I trust him that much after how good season one was. But if he's not, you got to kill that thing. Yeah, and it, uh, while you're talking, yeah, I looked it up. It, it was the uh, the penultimate episode. A god walks into a yeah. bar, which for people who watch it is a yep. very very fun fun pun there. There's there's something Absolutely. to be. First of all, just before this, uh, you know, you guys are talking about goalies. I'm 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 really really upset that again, in his prime Hasek is somehow available. I don't know. <laughs> Pete broke the news, and then you guys didn't talk about him at all. So I'm I'm really kind of confused there, but. Um, no, you, you guys are absolutely right. This this show was um, breath uh, breathtaking, and I mean that in all seriousness. Um, I was kind of pissed off with Lindelof um, for the longest time because of Lost. It was just there's, I think I think the whole you know mystery box, no payoff stuff kind of had its had run its course for the longest time. But in listening to Peter talk about the leftovers and stuff, it sounded like Lindelof was actually getting his act together. So um, I was like, all right, all right. Damon, I'll, I, I will listen to your Watchmen. Uh, and then uh, about ha- I, I got, you know, I, I waited for like probably like 
five episodes to be in the bank before I started watching it, just because I, based on what I was hearing, I knew I was going to like it, which means I knew I was going to want to watch more of it. So, um, thankfully, I was able to stay true to myself. Remember, kids, you can stick to your goals, you can follow through on your resolutions, you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> um, and 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 it was it was ju- it's just phenomenal. I think I think my favorite episode is the. Uh, nostalgia episode where uh, Abar is reliving her uh, grandfather's uh, life as yeah. Hooded Justice. Oh, that was, yeah. yeah, that was a just, I, you know, just and, and from story, from a technical level, I just, I thought it was a, a phenomenally shot film. And then when you come to realize when the episode's done that, oh, by the way, Trent Reznor and Atticus uh, Ross made all of that music. It's not like they didn't just get the rights. They made that the music for that era, and which makes me more excited to have the soundtrack in on vinyl in in, in a couple of weeks here. So there's this this is a I I, I think I, I I like that the three of us can recognize how special it is right now. I don't think a lot of people recognize just how special it is in the in the pantheon of you know because if it stays as a one off. This it has to be up there in the conversation of 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 best, just straight up consolidated. You know, <laughs> this is a this is a Bulls team <laughs> the yeah. TV show. Yeah. They went they went seventy what seventy three and something in the regular season <laughs> and then won the championship. That's just boom. That's yeah. the perfect season. That's all you needed to do. And um, yeah, I uh, I I look forward to rewatching it because. There, it's so dense, and that's the other part of it too. That that's another way that it was paying homage to the actual comic book itself, because the book itself is so dense. It's like it's almost like three books happening concurrently, while you're reading it, and that's why most people said it was movie proof, and you know, largely they were kind of right because there was some stuff. But my my only criticism would be that I I think the director's cut of the Snyder film is actually pretty decent of a watch and if they could have only kept the squid it probably would have made this season and the movie probably the 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 best companion pieces of 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 film slash popular culture because i just again every i mean even i mean we haven't even talked about looking glass i mean i i love (laughs) that character there's there's just so much that we that we could talk about but yeah i you know there's i'm glad we're all on board Yeah. Have you guys uh, gone back and watched any of the first episode, having finished the show? I'm going to because uh, right now uh, my wife is watching The Mandalorian, so I'm watching it for the second time. Uh, and obviously yep. it's not going to be the same level of this stuff, but like I noticed stuff in like the first episode. I was like, oh, my God. Like I didn't realize that they set this up in episode one. Um, so I, I have not yet, but after we finish that, she wants to watch it. So I'm going to go back and watch it with her again. So, uh, so the answer is no, but I, I'm going to, yeah. I so my I told my family of all of to watch the show and stuff like that over the holidays. Yeah. And, uh, so my sister put it on one day to start the show while my girlfriend and I were were in town, and we like audibly gasped at something that happens in the first episode, and we're like, Ooh. "These guys are so much more brilliant than even we realized." Like, oh man. So I'm interested. Yeah, yeah I, I, like I said, I'm definitely gonna watch it again, and when when I do, I'll reach out to you. So, yeah, that's great news. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so once again, obviously, thank you so much for joining us.
if you uh, ha- if you don't follow Max on Twitter, you can at m underscore Boltman b u l t m a n. Uh, and again, you can get his uh, articles on the Athletic Detroit, um, and you can find Wings for Breakfast on uh, podcast channels. One of them is uh, one of them is free. One of them is uh, with a subscription to the Athletic. Uh, but you know, even if you don't subscribe to the Athletic, which you know we have been recommending since this show began, you can still you know you can still get fifty percent of it, which is still really good. Um, but obviously, like. Like, you know, it's definitely worth getting all of them. Uh, so, Max, thank you so much for taking some time out to, uh, to talk to us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And once again, thank you to Max for joining our lovely program. We want to close out today's episode by previewing some of the uh, events that will be taking place in St. Louis in the coming days. That's right. It's the NHL All-Star Game, baby. Uh, Since its retooled format a couple of years ago, I have certainly increased my interest in it. Uh, There's a a lot of lovely events that um, have have been mainstays, but then they've tweaked some of them to, uh, to be able to entice new fans and um, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what can be done because there are some new things this year, Pete, including uh, an elite women's three-on-three game, which is taking place during yeah. the the All-Star Skills uh, Night, which is going to be uh, American versus Canadian women's All Stars. Um, this is great because uh, first of all, there's a, a tremendous uh, groundswell of support for. Uh, women's hockey that obviously needs to be uh, grown, and I think this is a perfect stage to do that. But Pete, uh, just like with all things, uh, no good deed goes unpunished or unpaid in this regard. So why don't you explain to us a little bit about the shenanigans that are happening there? Yeah, and 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 I want to be clear when I say this that at 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 the time we're recording this, I don't think we've gotten like a real. Uh, answer on this and and I could be I, I could be wrong about that like it could be out there um, but I know at the time this was announced obviously you know most people were saying hey this is awesome this is great um, the last year or two I think the last two years uh, you know some of the best women's players in the world have been featured uh, in the all-star game you know competing in or you know first demonstrating uh, you know competing in this in in the in the skills competition, uh, in, you know, in some aspect. And, and I think that's awesome. You know, you get to see, um, you know, the average person who maybe not, might not watch women's hockey at all gets to see, Hey, wow. You know, some of these, you know, th- you know, these women are pretty good, you know, they can do some really cool stuff. Um, you know, I, I know in, in some of the skills, there was, uh, there, there was one event, I think it was two years ago that the, uh, the women demonstrating were like better than the men. Yep. Uh, it was, it was, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the general you know reaction was, oh, this is great. This is awesome. You know, we're going to give them a platform. We're going to, you know, show off their skills. Uh, but then I again, I believe that this is true. Uh, you know, word got out that basically they're they're not getting paid to do this, which on the one hand, obviously having that platform to show people, you know, how good they are. That is good. I mean, that's good regardless of anything else. But at the same time. You're bringing in other people other than, you know, like the NHL players who are participating in this, you know, they have the chance to win a lot of money. Uh, you know, the winning team gets, a, you know, a ton of money that they split up, etc. Um, 
if you are the you know one of the musical acts you know you get paid um and so from what i understand again could be wrong on this but from what i understand you know the women that are participating are are not getting paid they're getting paid in exposure which like i said on the one hand you know this this definitely is a platform, right? It's probably one of the biggest platforms that these women can get at this time, you know, at this moment in time, which is good. But at the same time, you know, it's that classic thing, you know, you can't live on exposure. Um, you know, you're asking them to come here. You're asking them to be a part of it. Pay them just like you're paying everybody else. Um, you know, I'm not saying, you know, pay them a million dollars each, but, you know, pay them a, a reasonable amount of money um, because they're, they're a part of the show. They're a part of the entertainment. They're a part of this and they de- they deserve to get paid. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, this is that's a this is an open and shut cut, shut case for me. I, I I don't understand why this is a constant point of contention. Like I just, ugh, I just very curious decisions once again by a league that continues to step on its own private parts. So let's just hope that they can uh, figure it out and and actually help grow their game, but as the women's game as well. Um, it's kind of bizarre that um, one of the constant dreams I try to make myself have is that I'm, oh, look, I'm, I'm NHL commissioner. And I unilaterally laterally decide to, to merge both the NHL and, and the women's hockey leagues. Oh, so many angry man tears. Oh, I love it. Oh, I drink it up like Cartman. Oh, it's so great. And then the world gets better. So I don't know if that'll ever happen. But uh, I, I'd like to think that there's uh, something positive that can come out of this Despite its crappy setup, um, some of the other events that are happening are, uh, you know, the uh, uh, fast skater, safe streak, accuracy shooting, hardest shot. Um, I'm very excited to uh, uh, see what um, shenanigans the players can pull in these things because there's always room for it. Uh, I think I, I, I'm still waiting to see if anybody could top uh, PK Subban dressing up as vintage Yager in the Cooperalls. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Oh that's, my god, that's, that was my yeah that that that's definitely like top you know way up there for me. Yeah. yeah, so you know there's I think there's an opportunity for some people to step out of their comfort zone and 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 have some fun with with these games and that's you know that's I think that's something that constantly gets kind of undersold in these things, which is let's have fun. Yeah, you know let's have a fun time and yeah. Um, I th- I think that comes out to you know to play the most during the skills competition because they have all the different players mic'd up um i don't know if this is a controversial thing to say peter but i am actually very excited to see a ronick list all-star game <laughs> <laughs> i'm very it'd be just like the way the because i was watching the winter classic i'm like gosh geez what what is this feeling it's like a it's like a freeing feeling yeah. like like i don't have this constant dread that they're just going to cut the camera mm. to somebody being an absolute goofball yeah there's but only in like no way endearing. <laughs> there's only two people saying ridiculous things. What's going on? Yeah. Where's the third? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So speaking of uh, speaking of fun things, uh, to wrap this this show up, uh, we're gonna talk quickly about the um, the the newest event that's added to the All Star Game uh, Skills Competition. Uh, because I know when this came out, like this was this was a little. Uh, I, I guess on, on Twitter, this was, uh, you know, people were, some people were saying this is awesome. Some people were making fun of it, which is basically anything on Twitter. Um, but basically, it is called, uh, I had this pulled up, the Shooting Star 
thing? So, uh, yep. Damn it. Yeah, I closed the window. Uh, yeah, shooting star <laughs> competition or shooting star something. Um, and basically, the players are going to be on this platform uh, near kind of like behind one of the goals. Um, from what I understand, they are going to take the protective netting and they are going to move it so that any fans that are potentially, you know, in, in the puck's path are going to be protected. I will take their word on that, that they are going to plan, you know, for every eventuality. I don't know why I still do, but whatever. Um, because obviously that is the, the, the obvious potential downside is, you know, having a, fan get hit with a puck um and basically they're gonna have to uh you know shoot at targets on the ice uh from off the ice and like i said that sounds like a pretty cool idea um i'm gonna be cautiously optimistic that this could end up being a cool thing um but i will obviously reserve the right to make fun of it uh because it it definitely sounds like the type of thing that could be really cool or it could be a disaster which is honestly Honestly, that's the type of thing I want them to try. I really do. Like, I want them to go for this because if it's if it's fun, then it's fun, and that's great. And if it's not, we still get to talk about it, and we still get to make jokes, and we still get to make you know little music videos like to Corey Perry walking off the ice, um, or you know Brad Marchand, uh, you know, completely missing, or actually not completely missing, ninety nine percent missing uh, a puck on a shootout attempt uh, because you knew I had to make sure I mentioned that uh, in this episode, and we are almost done. Uh, so Jay, before we wrap up this episode uh any thoughts on this or any any other stuff with the all-star game uh because by the time this episode or by the time we record the next one it will you know it will have already happened well yeah I'd, i'd like to think that this is the type of uh uh experiment that could you know elevate the status of the of the skills day um i i'm all about getting uh bigger and crazier um I think it's only a matter of time before the NHL skills competition just turns into a mutant form of the uh, American Gladiators final obstacle course. (laughs) Instead (laughs) of shooting pucks with their stick, they're going to have like a puck cannon a la the the Mighty Ducks uh, animated TV show where the the Ducks had puck puck shooting cannons and and wrist and sidearms and all that. So, you know, there's I think there's potential here to see, you know, this is the building block towards something even more outrageous. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm I, I look forward to, to to tweeting about it, which I'm sure everybody else is excited to do. Um, so yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think that there's, uh, you know, I, because it's the skills competition, that means everybody's going to be wearing their regular jerseys and not the weird ones that they have to wear for the uh, three on three actual thing. But you know, it's everybody. Are, we already know all of our thoughts about it, so. Uh, let's just say uh, I'm just like you, Pete. I'm cautiously optimistic, and I look forward to reviewing it with you uh, on our next installment. Absolutely. Uh, so once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back at you in two weeks. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at P Flynn Hockey. Jay is at the Roar underscore twenty four. Max Boltman is M underscore Boltman B U L T A. Sorry, B U L T M A N. Uh, you can follow the podcast at 200 foot pod 200 FTPOD. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash for sure uh, pod. Yeah, for sure pod. F E R S U R E P O D. And you can uh, get merchandise if you would like on 
uh, at our website, which is tinyurl.com slash fershirt, F-E-R-S-H-I-R-T. I'm going to leave those imperfections in there as proof that I do record this live every episode. Uh, it is not a recording, which, to be honest, every episode I think to myself, I should just record this once and then play it every time. No. But you know what? I'm old school. No. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. Keep I wouldn't doing allow it. you. To uh, practice. I, I, I would. I would. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. And obviously, I clearly need more practice. I would. I would. For, I would forbid to. you from looping our our outro. This is this is a this is a beloved improvisational moment, and I'm so glad that you embrace <laughs> it every time. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. Bye. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure, 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 for sure,